when I, I knew that we were going to be coming here, I was just very thankful uh, that this, this, this will happen. And I believe that is the perfect will of God that we are here to be with you and to be able to appreciate all that you have done. Uh, you might probably think that you, you were giving for nothing. No, not for nothing. Uh, you have realized that no, but it's going to be more explicit when we go to be with the Lord. You will see that it wasn't just for nothing, it was for everything. So continue in that good work. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. My motivation for the work of the Lord and to spend my life as much as the Lord will allow me and give me grace to do his work is probably what I'm going to be talking about this morning. The fact that this life is not the end. The fact that there is a great life for us after this one. You know, my father communicated that to us very clearly and we could see, though I was very young, that he was living life here, but with his eyes somewhere else. He will always talk about heaven. He will talk about the, the beautiful gaze and then the beautiful trees and the golden trees. And, and it was just very exciting. And, uh, you know, actually he preached the, the message, the last message he preached that night before he died was on heaven preached that message, and he went home. The following morning, he went to heaven. And the Lord has used that to, to just keep me spellbound that uh, you know, I should live my life in that perspective and that uh, I should communicate clearly to other people that there is life after death, either in heaven or in hell. You know, the apostles preach very fervently and very clearly about heaven, and they leave looking for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ any moment. As you read the apostles, you will realize that their lives were lived on the edge of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Uh, you probably have read the Puritans and then great uh, evangelists of the past during the awakenings. Uh, Moody, you know, uh, uh, you're talking of Spurgeon in London, Whitfield. These men preached with a passion and with an expectation of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's like as the, the, the years wane and then the days go by, uh, people don't get excited about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, or uh, generation, probably this generation is not more very expectant that he could come at any time. But the Lord says we should be uh, expecting him. And here in Second Peter chapter 3, he is uh, giving a stare. He said, I am writing to stir up your minds. That is the purpose of uh, this portion. Uh, so, Second Peter chapter 3, this epistle, second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the, 
apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that they shall come in the last days, scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of, of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Our Father, we come to you in peace, knowing that you have loved us, you have sent your son because you loved us while we were sinners. And through the shedding of his blood, we stand before you bold. Father, to petition that you help us live the kind of life you want us to live. The life that looks to heaven right here on earth. We pray that you will help your people with the understanding of the word of God through your spirit. And that you will help me communicate your word clearly. That we will all benefit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I say, my purpose this morning is the purpose of God in this portion. is to stir up your expectation of his coming. Probably your expectation of his coming has not been uh, where it ought to be. You have not been thinking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And probably if you will confess, you may say, I think more about my dying than the Lord coming. I'm thinking, oh, you know, 20 years, 30 years, and, you know, I'm talking of medication and all that, and Medicare, it's about my life. But we are not thinking, you might not be thinking about his coming. He rather wants us to be thinking more about his coming. And not how long we live, whether we live long or not. He, he wants us to be thinking on him and about his coming. And so this portion, the Holy Spirit through Peter wants to stir up our expectation 
of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and also wants to remind us clearly, without mixing words, that the world in which we are shall pass away. That God has said it. The passing away is not a theory that it is going to be literal. It will be bent up, he says. And God doesn't mix words when he speaks. And that the elements in the firmaments, the sun and the moon, will also be gone. And that God will rebuild or he will uh, create a new heaven and a new earth. That is what scripture says. And then Peter says, beware because getting to the last days, scoffers, mockers, people who don't love God's word, people who live by their imagination, people who, who have their philosophy of life, is their philosophy, not God's philosophy, will say, forget it. You have talked about the coming of Jesus, the end of the world, and it's now, you know, thousand years now, they are saying million years the world has been. And has never ended. Christ has never come, at least for the last 2,000 years. Do you think he will come? And people may not say this audibly, but they, they may say it by their attitude. Forget it. It's, it's not going to work. Peter said, be warned. And, and, you know, Peter is writing by the Holy Ghost. He knows that people will do this, and they will think this way. So he is right, putting it right here for our stirring up of the mind. Against such a philosophy, such a satanic philosophy, that the world will continue, that uh, it will always be because it has always been. Peter said, these coffers will come, and he said, they will be willingly ignorant. Uh, uh, verse uh, 3, knowing this verse, that they shall come in the last days, coffers, mockers, walking after their own lust, their own mind, their own uh, in- intuition. Probably they've gone to secular schools, they've been taught evolution, and they said, uh, this world has always been, man had evolved, there's no creation, and it has always be like that. This is their own lust, their own mind. And they will be saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since the fathers, the Old Testament fathers, the New Testament apostolic fathers, our fathers, probably your parents have, have died, and they, they were good Christians, and it has never happened. So it won't happen. People will be saying that. Peter said, when you hear that, don't mind those people. And said, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, he said, for this they willingly are ignorant. How can a person be willingly ignorant? The Holy Ghost says, it is possible to be willingly ignorant. You willfully choose to ignore the facts. That's what is happening. They have willfully chosen to ignore the facts. They haven't put things together. You know, God says if we look at natural revelation, it will speak to us. They have ignored to look at natural revelation and to ask themselves probing questions and to try to answer those questions. They've ignored that. And they are going by just shallow mentality from their schools. The Holy Spirit is saying that, no, we should be careful. Because these people will come and they will, be, they will willfully ignore the facts. And now Peter is going to refute 
he's going to argue against those people for the truth of the word of God. And he has a twofold argument against the evil philosophy of these people. Twofold argument, verse 5 to verse 7. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. And perdition of ungodly men. You know people who go with evolution. Believe that, I mean, know that it's a theory. And we know what a theory is. It's not a law, right? It means a guess. A theory is a guess. But they treat it as a law, as a fact. It's a guess. And so nobody can actually put his hand and say, this is it. This is it. It, it, It's still a theory. It's a theory. And it it will continue to be a theory because it's not a fact. Evolution is not a fact. It's a theory. So there's a truth. They have ignored the truth. And they are going by a theory. And Peter said, let's come to the truth. That this world was created by the word of God. That is a fact. Genesis 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created. And he did that in six literal days. How do I know that? He created and he will say, the morning... In the evening, even children, no morning and evening. That this is the first day and the morning and the evening. Not uh, so long a period. It's a matter of 24 hours with the morning and the evening. And God said it. One day, morning and evening, two days, morning and evening, three days. Until the sixth day when God created man. And people are willing to ignore that. And then go by their thinking. He says, he said, the, the, the world was created by the word of God. And so it will stand that if God created the world by his word in six days, that it's possible he can destroy this world by his word. That's why he said, the world will be destroyed by the same word of God. This world is preserved against fire by the same word of God. He said it. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the day, the reserved against the day of judgment, by the same word of God. If God has created it, can he destroy it? Is the logic. Can he? Is it, is it more difficult to, to make or to destroy? Which is more difficult? To create. <laughs> we know this beautiful building. Probably several years ago, a lot of minds came together with engineering, with uh, architectural knowledge, with all the bookwork, with time and with resources. And with prayer, it has been put together. Ask uh, an Islamic, uh, you know, fanatical Islamic Islamist to come and destroy this building. I mean, it's just a matter of one bomb, probably. It will be gone. No brain work, no probably energy, it will be gone. If God has created this world that people are still grappling to understand, you know, things around. He made it in six days. And if this world will remain the, the next million years, 
There will still be studies and studies and, you know, uh, they will edit their books, you know, editions and editions because they keep on finding new things. He created it in six days. Can't he just destroy it? Probably by with the atomic bomb. <laughs> Once, boom, and it's gone. He said he would do it with fire. I told somebody, God could just let the sun fall on the, on the earth. I mean, that is it. He said it would be bent up, right? I mean, let the sun fall on the earth and let's see whether the earth will survive. It won't survive. I mean, the sun, I, I heard is several, uh, probably night is something, uh, it is more voluminous than the earth, the volume of the sun. Several, uh, uh, probably hundreds uh, more than the, the earth. But God created the world by his word. He is going to destroy it by the same word, Peter tells us. And he also uh, challenges these uh, people who, who are saying, the Lord will not come back. He is saying, do you forget that God destroyed the, days, uh, the, the world during the days of Noah? You forget that? He has demonstrated that he can destroy this world. That he can bring it to an end. When he, he made the floods come, and he chose to save Noah, he could have destroyed Noah as well, and everyone would have gone. So if he did by rain, and God has said it clearly, he wouldn't do it again by rain. He wouldn't do it by tsunami. He would do it by fire. That's why he gives us the rainbow. We see the rainbow is a sign that he's not going to do it by, by water again, by flood. He's going to do it by fire. He said it very clearly. Peter said, don't get, don't get this wrong. Don't let anybody deceive you. All the promises of God are yea. All that God has said from Genesis have come to pass. You read the prophecies of the Old Testament and you read the, their fulfillments in the New Testament and you know that this will happen as he has said. He said it in the Old Testament, not in figures. He said it very clearly, even the virgin birth. He, it was so clear. It happened just the way he said it. Somebody in those days would have said, how can a, a virgin who had no, never known a, a man have a baby? This might be a parable. This might be figurative. Let's try to find out what kind of uh, figure it is. No. There are figures in the Bible. But when God speaks, he speaks very clearly concerning prophecies. He said it will come to pass. So Peter had dealt those twofold arguments. God created the world by his word. He's going to destroy it by the same word. He's still alive. The only chance that this world will not be destroyed is when God is dead. If he's dead, then the word is also gone. But if he is alive, <laughs> then that word is also around. And by that word, the world will be destroyed, he tells us. And Peter says he has demonstrated that he could destroy the world when he destroyed the people and the world in those days, and preserved just Noah and those animals during the days of Noah. And Peter also added two theological facts to reinforce his argument. And actually, this is not what Peter is saying. This is what God is saying, the Holy Spirit. And so from verse 8, we have another uh, a twofold argument for the coming and the uh, end of the world. Verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. One of the facts he's arguing from is that 
we should know our God better. We should know Jehovah better. Jehovah is not a God constrained by time. He's not a God we can foot within time. He's not a God when we are speaking, we said, oh, he might think uh, probably it's too long for him. 2,000 years since Jesus had gone, this guy might be sitting there old and he can't do anything. He has lived in all eternity. 2,000 years, two days for him, he says. 1,000 years, that one day. When he says it, it will happen. Time is nothing for him. Peter said, let's get it right. Let's know our God better. He's an eternal God. What is time for him? What is million years for him? Nothing. So if people said, Jesus has gone 2,000 years and then the world hasn't ended, he said he will come soon. If I say, uh, I'm going to war, I'll come back soon. If I say, oh, you know, next week I'll go to war, I'll come back soon. That would be legitimate even if I'm coming back next year, right? Next year, how many days? 360 days. With God, a thousand years, one day. So if he says, I'm going, I'm coming back soon. We may be thinking that soon is just, uh, you know, 100 years. But, you know, 10,000 years might be soon with God. <laughs> you know, might be soon with God. Because he's not constrained with time when he's speaking. We should understand him. That's what Peter is saying. Let's understand God. Let's know that theology. That with God, Thousand years to him is one day, and one day could be expanded in his own interest like thousand years. He's just a multifaceted God we can't comprehend in our little minds. That's what he's saying. So we can't use the, the fact that, oh, you know, 2,000 years, Jesus hasn't come, he won't come, it's too long. <laughs> no, he said that's not a legitimate uh, argument against his coming or against his word. And Peter also added another uh, fact concern uh, to reinforce this fact and something about God verse 10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief no verse 9 sorry verse 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as men count slackness but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance he said there's something else we should know about our Lord Jesus Christ and of course about Jehovah that he is a compassionate God. He's a God full of compassion. He doesn't, he doesn't wish that any should perish. As we think about the, the end of the world, and then we going home, and the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is thinking about those that are not rich. They are people groups that have never heard the gospel. What about them? He has them in mind. If the Lord should come today, you probably have loved ones that will be lost forever. It's possible. So he, he, he's having that aspect in mind as well. He's not willing that any should perish. He is long-suffering to us or word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. So part of the delayance, you know, if we could call it that way, is that God is taking into consideration just many people. There are so many people in the world, not just us alone. And he loves all people. He made all people. He wants all to come to repentance. And so, Peter said we should not forget these two facts. That God is an eternal God. That though God is a compassionate God. He is long-suffering. He is patient. 
He is wooing the world to himself. But then he said, verse 10, but it doesn't mean that all will come to repentance necessarily or that he will never come. Verse 10 said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. One day he's just going to break the silence. He's going to break the silence. It's going to be a shock. Because like I say, people are probably getting so immune to, ah, this world will continue, it will continue. And prophecy tells us that the world is never going to get better. (laughs) Never going to get better. The last days are going to be worse. Men are going to be lovers of themselves. And they will not be respectful to the aged, to their own parents, and we are seeing it. There will be so much knowledge, and that, that knowledge will be worldly knowledge that would defy the word of God, and we are seeing it. But one day God is going to break the silence. <laughs> and it's going to be a terrible day for many people, but it's going to be a very delightful day for us. Whether we live to see the day, or whether we, we die. The Bible tells us those that are dead in Christ will be raised. And then we, those that are on the ground, will be caught up together with them. And he will take us. And it's literal. You know, there, there were times that growing up, you read these things and say, how can God do all that? How can God do all that? But now, there even technology. Technology has made it very Uh, you know, in our minds that this is not big for God. (laughs) To take up everybody, just like that. I mean, it's not big. You know, people can fly with airplanes. You know, I see people glide. There's so many neat things here in America. Just so much (laughs) going on. You know, uh, we went, people were uh, skywards. The plane would take them and then drop them. And then they would come and then I say, wow, this is neat. And now I have GPS. Without GPS, we will be lost uh, 10 times every day. Probably 1,000 times every day. <laughs> but with GPS, I can probably count the number of times we made the wrong turn for these past five months. GPS knew every route. It, it knows it. So when God said, I know everything, now we, can, we understand that this is possible. When God said, I'm going to take the people away we can understand by, uh, just by uh, our own uh, technology that this is, this is not, he's not speaking in tongues. He's speaking for us to understand what he's going to do. <laughs> but he says he's going to do it. And then when he does it, of course, there will be the rapture and then there will be the millennium. And after the millennium, he will destroy this earth. And then he said, uh, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works, all the things we have built, these wonderful roads, you know, as we go around, we, we, we've seen the great network of roads in America, just marvelous. But it's going to be destroyed. It says, also the works that are therein shall be burnt up. That is why God, Jesus, told us and told the disciples, he said, you will be wise when you built up your treasure in heaven. Eternal treasure. There aren't mines there. There aren't termines. There are so many termines in Africa that will eat up everything. 
You know, I, I, I came here some times ago. I got some new, uh, new shoes. Then I, they, they were my, like my special shoes I would use for special occasions. I do an, a lot of weddings and that. So I took those shoes. I won't wear them. I only kept them for special occasions. And the next uh, six months, a special occasion was coming up, and I wanted to brush them up. And when I picked those shoes, they, all the soul had gone. Leather soul, it had gone. And then, you know, they were against the wall, and this whole side was gone. Both shoes. I said, I wish I had kept this in heaven. I wish I had given it to somebody. In the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know? Good illustration. I mean, the termites had destroyed it. And I, I dumped it somewhere. I couldn't use it. But he said, build up your treasure up there. We are going home, right? Those that are elderly, probably you, you, know, you understand that better than those that are younger. But this is not our home, honestly. This is not our home. I was telling her, you know, when my father died that shocking death, it just kept on telling me that this is not your home. This is not your home. But he said, yeah, this world certainly will pass away and that uh, the elements will be bent up. Then... God gives us some application. He says, how will you apply this? So the rest, till verse 14, is actually application. And let's look at the application. Knowing that, he said, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? This is our action. Seeing that this is a fact, God is telling us. Knowing that this is a fact, he said, how will you apply this? How will you apply this in your Christian work? So we can put this question, a rhetorical question, actually in a statement. Seeing that Jesus will come, seeing that we have a home up there, seeing that this world will be destroyed, let us walk godly in this world. Let us live godly. In this world. So that's the first application. Live with your mind on heaven. Live with your mind uh, up there and do things reserving uh, them in heaven. You know, Paul said, Yeah, we are in the world and we must need use the world, but he said, Don't let us abuse it. As using and not abusing. We need clothing, we need a car to do stuff. Those are instruments those are equipment to build up there those are not we are we are not you know in this world for them you know people have died they don't bury them with cars they don't bury them with anything they bury them alone job said you know i came naked i'll go naked and it's a fact it's a long it's an eternal fact but what we build up there, nobody can take it from us. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the keeper. And he's not going to confuse things. He's not going to grab yours and give it to me. And grab mine and give it to me. No. <laughs> Period. What you have laid there is yours. And they will be safe for you. So I say, let's leave for him. And verse 12, he gives us another application. He said, let's be looking forward for his coming. Looking for and hastening unto the day of his coming. Let's have that in our minds. 
Let's look forward for his coming and let's hasten his coming. And you say, how can we hasten his coming? God wants us to hasten his coming. We said he's delaying. He said, hasten my coming. And Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, it's a commentary. This is what they say on this portion, uh, hastening his coming. He said, not that God's eternal appointment of the time he will come is changeable. No. But God's appoint us as instruments of accomplishing those events which must be first before the day God can come. And they said, these events are praying for his coming. Maranatha is to pray that Jesus comes. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. Say, Maranatha, Lord, please come. When we see this well is corrupt, and we want to run away from it, right? <laughs> you want to go to a place where it's just a Christian nation. I would love to be that, in that place. And then, you know, the Muslims are rising, and, you know, they try to kill, and they are killing Christians. And they are using oil money to build mocks and uh, to do things. You want to say, Christ, please come. Please come. It's okay. <laughs> you know? But he said, yeah, come. Maranatha, please come, Lord. Let this all be over. They also say there's another thing we ought to do before he can come. And I want to read that in uh, Matthew 24 and then 14. That will take us to about the end. Matthew 24, 14. One other thing we can do to hasten the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, 14. He said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Unless the gospel reaches all the, the people groups, he is not coming. He's long-suffering. He wants to get all people to be witnesses. And he wants to, the word of God to be witnesses against them. And that's why we have a responsibility for missions. Well, if we want Christ to come quick, then we have to work harder on missions. The word must go and go and go until all nations hear the word for a witness, then he can come. Unless that happens, it's the word of God. Jesus said it. The end will not come. So we are thinking about the end. There are other people who have never heard the witness. And that is an application for us. That is why, you know, in Ghana, we are poor. Our people are farmers. But we are thinking of how we can send missionaries to uh, the, the, the northern country of us, Burkina Faso. They are Muslims. And how we are sending missionaries to the western country of us, Africa's. We are thinking that. And when we meet, we think about that. How can we do this? And now we are working very hard to reach all the villages. And now in the next uh, five years, we have uh, 20 churches. By God's grace, we want to plant 20 churches. But unless we promote that work, he said he's not going to come. The gospel must be preached to all nations for a witness. Then, the end. But he said he will certainly come. That's certain. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing 
You look for such things. Be diligent. Application. Be diligent. Diligence doesn't come by itself. It comes by hard work. You can't just be diligent. Uh, I'm diligent when you are not engaging your mind and planning hard. Diligence comes by hard work. Be diligent in serving the Lord. Be diligent. Go beyond. And the human being is stretchable. Stretch yourself. <laughs> it's amazing. When I came to Bob Jones, I, the first, the first uh, three months, I called my pastor home. I said, I cannot make it. I'm coming home. He said, why? You are, you, are, you are smart. I said, no, it's very fast. I said, the quiz is, uh, they will say five minutes. And, you know, I am I, I'm not even half when the five minutes is expired. He says, stretch yourself. And I said, good, I'll stretch myself. And I did. I stretched myself. And that made a difference. By God's grace, I, I graduated with a cum laude, you know. But I stretch. The human being can stretch ourselves. Paul talks of, of, of the Macedonians. They stretch themselves in missions. So we can stretch ourselves. But you know, we ought to be looking for going home. Where there won't be Medicare problems. You know, mortgage, bills. No, no more tear. Loved ones have died, we have more. And those that have gone to be with the Lord, we will see them. All these things will be gone. We'll be the Lord, I mean with the Lord, he said we will see him as he is. And we'll be like him. We'll be with him forever. <laughs> May the Lord bless this word. Worship team, come. We're going to sing a song as we close today. The song doesn't talk about a specific thing that God might have us to do. It talks about responding to God. Uh, if your heart is with the Lord, the Lord has been speaking to you, maybe during the Sunday school hour or now. Maybe it's about giving more. Maybe it's about praying more. Maybe it's about going. Maybe, who knows, maybe it's about going to your neighbor or to the Muslims that live in your neighborhood. God is speaking. We want to challenge you to say yes. To say yes to building up treasure in heaven and less treasure on the earth. Boy, that's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us Americans. I want to challenge you to say yes, Lord, to whatever God is burdening your heart toward this morning.